I want to welcome all of our campuses and microsites. Welcome to everyone joining us online. If you're a guest with us here today at any of our campuses or microsites or here at the Greenwood campus, uh, my name is Danny, and many of you know that I have been out of town for the last couple of weeks on uh, my annual study break that I do. If you don't know what that is, it's, it's a time where I kind of get away and, and, and just write some sermons and take a little bit of rest. And uh, so on this last study break, I was able to write eight sermons. And so I am so excited about that. I got to clear my head and did, got some serious serious content for you guys coming in the fall. I wrote a whole series on lying. Any liars in the crowd? Yeah, if you didn't raise your hand. Gotcha. Um, Don't lie in church. Uh, Anyway, so that's coming up in the fall. Also wrote a series called Internal Enemies. Man, there are things, there are far more things inside of us that can hurt us than outside of us. We're going to talk about anger, insecurity. We're going to talk about anxiety, the big one, big A, anxiety. We're going to talk about insecurity. So that's so excited about that. And uh, so that's coming soon. But anyway, uh, so I, one thing I regret about my study break is not being part of my Big Fat Mouth series. Dude, I watched online and said, Michael Cass killed it. Pastor Rand, our campus pastors, Matt Randall killed it. Um, I really wanted to talk in that series uh, because I had some things to say about my mouth and yours. Um, but anyway, uh, <laughs> But they did a great job while I was gone, so thankful to those guys. And so, yeah, I'm back, and next week we gotta, we're going to jump right into some things, so I'm really excited. But today is my last week where I'm not preaching, and uh, I'm so excited to be introducing one of my good friends, Brad Lominick, to you. He's going to be talking today about something that I think is just life-changing. The title of his talk today is going to be, What Am I Supposed to Do With My Life? And so if you came today and you're like, man, I don't have purpose. I don't know why I'm on earth. Like this is your talk. Or, you know, if you're in a situation where you hate your job and you want to do something different, this is going to be a great talk for you. Let me tell you a little bit about Brad. About 12 years ago or so, he began working with uh, leadership expert John Maxwell, who's written countless books on leadership. Anybody ever read a book by John Maxwell? Yeah, 21 Laws of Leadership, Developing the Leader Within You, just fantastic guy. Well, he started working with John Maxwell to launch these events, and they came up with this idea to, to have this, uh, this thing, a small event called Catalyst, and that was about 12 years ago, and it turned into literally a movement across the United States of America and across the world. World, and it was, became the largest gathering of Christian leaders uh, across the, the country and uh, impacted t- tens and thousands of people. Our church went several times to the Catalyst Conference, and uh, there wasn't uh, uh, an influential Christian leader who did not visit the Catalyst Conference and speak. By the, by the way, anybody ever visit a Catalyst or at a Catalyst event? Anybody? Christian, a couple of hands. Um, and so, just created this movement. Well, Brad was the president of Catalyst for 10 years, decided to walk away from that uh, uh, recently. Maybe he'll tell you a little bit about that in his story. Um, but just, it was such a big movement that he got invited to the White House, met two different presidents. Wh- which presidents were they? We don't need to talk about that. Anyway, he got to shake hands with two different presidents. So Brad would not tell you this. He would not say this, but he's kind of a big deal. Like maybe you don't know who he is, but he's going to downplay it. I'm like, dude, you're a big deal. Anyway, just my opinion. And so he's going to be speaking to us today from the perspective of leadership. He's written a couple of books. One is called The Catalyst Leader. Another one is called Humble, Hungry, and Hustle. This is kind of his life mantra. I've read both of these books. We actually have it at the Greenwood Bookstore here. If you'd like to pick one up in the end, if you at any of our other campuses, you can text the word book 
625-248. You could pick one of these up. He'd be, he'd be happy. Uh, that'd be exciting for him to do that as well. Uh, but you'll be blessed by reading that book. So recently, Brad was on my podcast. And how many of you know I have a podcast? You're like, what's up? Some of you are like, what's a podcast? Okay, it's sort of like a radio station. I don't really know how to explain it. But I interviewed Brad. We did a two-part series in the podcast. And he actually talked about some of the content he's going to be uh, developing a little bit more for us today. And so thank you for doing that. Uh, so with no further ado, will you give it up for my good friend, Brad Lominick. Come on up here, Brad. Uh, let's go. Let's go. Thank you. Yeah, man. Thank you, Pastor Danny. He, doesn't he look invigorated and like refueled, recharged? Yeah. That's what happens when you get like a month to go study. You better have eight sermons ready to go, buddy. Come on. Hey, it's great to be here. And uh, I am excited to share a little bit about this big idea of what am I supposed to do with my life? In fact, uh, turn to your neighbor on your right and tell them, when you were a child, what did you want to do when you grew up? Tell them right now, on your right. Turn to the neighbor on your right. What did you want to do when you grew up? Now, now turn to the, to the neighbor on your left at all of our locations, all our sites, microsites, turn to the person on your left and tell them if you're actually, actually doing that right now. Huh. Yeah, not, not many of you. Oh, that dream, yeah, you were going to be a fireman. You were going to be a doctor. You're going to be an NFL football player, right? Yeah. What am I supposed to do with my life? Why am I here? What's my purpose? Why do I exist? What, God, does this matter? Like what I do in life? I mean, is, it, is the goal just to like get to eternity? Um, this is a big question for all of us, right? And hopefully in the next few minutes, we can unpack a little bit of this and, and give you some clarity because all of us are wrestling with this question. Whether you're 15, you're 25, you're 45, you're 75, you're 85, this is a fundamental question that we all ask. And uh, as Danny said, I mean, I, I spend a lot of time with leaders. If you had to describe what I do, I, I, I try to be a leadership author and a thought leader, I guess, an expert, somebody who, who inspires leaders to be better leaders. And here's one thing I've, I've learned, uh, which is the first thing in your notes is greatness starts with you. And we're going we're gonna to talk again about what am I supposed to do with my life? But this is a reality that as all of us are leaders, because we all influence people, you influence your kids, you influence your neighbors, you influence people in your small group. Brad, I'm not in charge. I'm not the president. I don't run my company. Fair, but you still have impact on people. And if you're actually going to impact people, you have to believe that you lead yourself. In fact, the hardest person you're ever going to lead is you. You're the most difficult person you will ever have to lead. But greatness, if we want to be great, and great is not about popularity, it's not about becoming famous. It's about, are you doing with your life what God would see as the great expression through you to impact what he wants to see done through you in the world. Greatness starts with you. And, and I, wrote, I wrote this book, Humble Hungry Hustle, 
This is my life mantra. If somebody says, Brad, what, what are the fundamentals of leadership? I would say, be humble, stay hungry, always hustle. Be humble, stay hungry, always hustle. Be humble, stay hungry, always hustle. When I think about humility, a big part of being humble, and again, context-wise, we're, 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 we're talking about what am I supposed to do with my life? A big part of humility is you becoming more self-aware. Self-discovery and self-awareness. The, the most humble leaders, Emmanuel, the most humble leaders are the ones who are the most self-aware. The most arrogant leaders are actually the ones that are the most self-unaware or insecure. Or they're just faking it and they walk around thinking, I hope nobody really understands or finds out that I've been winging it all this time. Self-awareness is actually really important for you if you're gonna figure out what are you supposed to do with your life. So as, as a backdrop, that's all context for this question. And, and here's the anchor verse that we wanna sort of center around. It's this verse in Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. We are his workmanship, we're being crafted. We're actually being made into the image of God. So when you're thinking about where am I supposed to do with my life, part of your reality is that God is making you into something significant. And context is everything. So let me give you some buckets to think about, like perspective that will help you navigate this question. Because all of us are walking in with the reality, and just a show of hands at all of our locations, how many of you have a job tomorrow? How many of you have a job? That's pretty much 99.9% .9 of us. Uh, some of you didn't raise your hand because you're retired, but you actually still have a job in some ways. What am I supposed to do with my life, Brad? Like, I find myself at this season of life and I've got this job and that's context for all of us. So with that in mind, Here's some perspective that I, will, I think will help you give you language to understand. And the first bucket as it relates to this idea of what am I supposed to do with my life is identity. Identity. Identity is simply this, who you are. And it's primarily unchanging and it becomes the drive within you. So identity, you are a son or a daughter. You're, some of you are parents. You're a father or you're a Mother, you're a husband or wife, you're a niece or a nephew, you're a cousin. Family is a big part of your identity. Many of us at all the locations, we are now born again. We're children of God. Who you say I am, I'm a child of God. We sing about that. That's part of your identity now. But identity is unchanging. It is foundational in terms of when you think about the perspective of purpose, it's the driving element of foundation. Primarily, it doesn't change over the course of your life. And it's 60,000 feet of elevation. The, the next level down is calling. And again, context, we're painting the picture of, Brad, this big question, what am I supposed to do with my life? If identity is who you are, calling is why you're here. It's the direction. And it probably will change, it could. It, it doesn't necessarily have to, but it might. 
And calling is one of those things, just to give you a definition, I think will be helpful. A definition of calling is this, God's personal invitation for me to work on his agenda using talents and passions I've been given in ways that are eternally significant. It's a good definition. Oh, Brad, does that mean that I'm supposed to go work for the church? Like, is, so the ultimate expression of my calling is that I'm supposed to be in full-time ministry. Uh, first of all, you are in full-time ministry whether you work at the church or not. You are in ministry walking in tomorrow morning to that cubicle or walking in tomorrow morning to that school or walking into that office or going down in your basement, Mr. or Mrs. Entrepreneur, who just started the company and working on that spreadsheet that you're trying to create to keep track of your expenses. Don't ever think, leaders, that you're calling as a marketplace influencer in the secular world is somehow second class to somebody who's on staff at a manual. Now, if you end up on staff at a manual, awesome. But some reason, somewhere, somebody started to tell us that our calling is supposed to be about being in ministry. We're all in ministry. So this is good news. You are called to specific why purpose around your vocation. And here's the other piece of calling, where your strengths and passions intersect. That's where you'll start to find it. Where your strengths and passions intersect, undergirded by God's unique overarching story on and in your life. When you answered the question earlier, what, what did you think you would be doing when you were as a child when you grew up. A lot of us, right? I mean, I thought I was gonna be an NFL football player at 10, 12, 13, and then high school comes around and I'm slow, I'm short, and I'm not talented. I had lots of passion, and I had tons of passion. I didn't have a whole lot of strength as related to being a professional athlete. Uh, when I was in high school as a sophomore, in the town of Bristow, Oklahoma, just outside of Tulsa, uh, I was in a rap group. <laughs> that, that's not supposed to be funny. Like, it, <laughs> why are you laughing at me? I know, right? We were called Oreo. <laughs> For real, like real story. I was, of course, the cream in the middle of the Oreo cookie, two brothers on the outside. We thought, I thought I had discovered my calling in life. I was gonna change the entertainment industry. I was gonna be Eminem before Eminem ever came on the scene. I was gonna empower and educate and transform the rap industry through my skills and talents. Oreo, Cream L. <laughs> Lots of passion, very little strength. Clean up the trash, clean up the litter. Who you think we are? We're not your babysitter. <laughs> we, uh, we had a lot of passion. We actually did get invited to rap, or, or <laughs> we got invited to write a jingle for our state. In the state of Oklahoma growing up, we didn't have a lot going on. The state legislature, some senator called us, is this Oreo? Yeah, this is Oreo. Uh, we'd like for you guys to write a jingle. We have a new anti 
litter campaign we're doing at the state level called Don't Lay That Trash on Oklahoma. And we're looking for an artist or a group. And we heard about you guys. And we would like for you to write a jingle for our anti-litter campaign. And we went and did our rap in front of the state joint session of Congress and House. <laughs> I found my calling. Nine months later, I'm on to the next thing, right? I mean, think of yourself. You've had moments over your life. Oh, I've discovered it. Remember when you went to college and somebody told you you had to have a major? My major was undergrad. But my emphasis my first six months was pre-med. I'm going to be a doctor. That lasted until the end of that semester when I got a D minus in chemistry and thought, you know, maybe my calling is not to move into the physical healing doctor world. I had a lot of passion for it, but I could not get through chemistry for majors. All of us we, we navigate this question of why am I here? What am I supposed to do? What's my purpose? And it comes back so many times. I hope this is helpful to strengths and passions, right? American Idol. Why are you here at American Idol? Why are you a contestant? Well, I just believe that my why, my purpose is to bring music into the world. Hmm, that's great. Yeah. Why don't you go ahead and sing? Huh. You can't hold a note. A lot of passion, not a lot of strength. Where you find those, where they come together, that's where you'll discover your calling. That sense of the sweet spot, the intersection. Some of you, you're there right now. Some of you, you're like, I've never even thought about this. I didn't even know this was part of my question I was supposed to raise. Now here's the third bucket. If identity is who I am, calling is why I'm here, the riverbanks, the, the, the perspective, the purpose of my life. Assignment is what you do. Assignment is what you do. So when you answer the question at the dinner party, when somebody says, tell me about yourself, most of us answer with what we do. Well, I'm a banker at XYZ Bank and I'm a vice president of investments. Some of you, you're an insurance adjuster. You might be a security guard. You might be a teacher. You might be a principal. You might be a lawyer. You might be a doctor. You might be unemployed at this point. You are ready to be assigned that next thing. But assignment is what you do. It probably will change. In fact, the average 25-year-old today is gonna have probably 15 to 20 different assignments over the course of their 40 year career. If we don't, leaders, if we don't help them, and some of you are them, if we don't help you actually figure out that why statement that gives evidence to assignment, you're gonna just walk through all these different jobs without any connection back. And that's the important piece of this because here's what's true, the sum of our collective season purpose assignments should add up to equate to our greater calling. Sometimes we discover this looking back. 
We look back on the last 10 assignments, the jobs we've had, and we go, what? How does all this connect? Hopefully, though, we can start to have a why statement that gives evidence to those assignments that are true right now for you. Identity who you are, calling why you're here, and assignment what you do. So, now what, Brad? I mean, that, that thank you, that's helpful. That gives me language to talk about at the, at the office tomorrow. Now what? Well, here's the reality, because we know this is true based on research. Some of you, you got this figured out. You're like, I'm good, Brad, for we are his workmanship. I'm being crafted. God has put me, he's injected in me identity that I'm clear on. I know what my why statement is and my assignment today that I walk in tomorrow, I love. In fact, I will be up at 6 a.m. in the morning on Monday morning, ready to go. I don't live for the weekend, I live for Monday. There's like seven of you in this room who would say that's true. Most of us, if we're honest, what does it matter? Like, why does my assignment mean anything? In fact, I don't even like my assignment. The average American, 85% in some reports, some surveys would say, if you could do anything else on Monday with your job, you would choose to do something else. Three out of four people in America walk into a job that they hate. Some of you are like, yes, amen to that, brother. I cannot stand what I do. It's just a simple paycheck. I'm just trying to pay the mortgage I'm just trying to get by. I'm trying to put food on the table. So we all have realities of the fact that your assignment right now may not be the best expression of your calling. And it hopefully gives some evidence to our identity. Let me give you three practical things to think about. Because we're all walking out of here going to that job. Everybody who raised your hand at all the locations, you're walking into something tomorrow morning. And I want you to be better tomorrow morning. I want you to have perspective, but I want you to be better. The first thing is this, pursue excellence. Regardless of whether you love or hate what you're walking back into with this assignment you are currently in, this season of assignment, go be good at what you do. Here's why. Here's why. Matthew 5. You are the salt of the earth. Verse 13, Matthew 5, 13. This is Jesus speaking. And this is for you. This is our assignment within our assignment. You're the salt of the earth. The salt becomes tasteless. How can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. Oh, okay. Salt and light. I like that. A city set on the hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light, lights up all who are in the house. Let your light Shine before men. Translation, let your spreadsheet making, let your coffee brewing, let your report turning inning, let your test taking, let your homework finishing, let your meeting organization running. You see where I'm going. Let your assignment, whatever it is, whether you love it or hate it, 
Let it shine before men in such a way that they see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Go be excellent. Set a standard of getting better. 1% improvement. Brad, I don't even like what I do. It's not in my sweet spot. I thought I was going to be like an entrepreneur and be able to empower other entrepreneurs. And right now I'm just stuck in this awful job. Well, might be true. But you go be good at what has been put in front of you. Number two is this. Be faithful. Go pursue excellence. You go be faithful. Faithful, okay, what do you mean? Faithful. I mean, you have some stick with itness. You have a sense of being trustworthy. There's a, there's, a, there's a saying about you in the office, among the team. Oh, you know Betty. You know Bill. I mean, I don't, I don't get all the stuff that Bill kind of brings to the table about his faith. And, I mean, that's cool and all. But if Bill is assigned something, he gets it done. If Betty is given a project, she completes it. That's faithfulness. And here's what we know from Scripture. Luke 16, 10. He who is faithful, he who is trustworthy, is in a very little thing, is also faithful with much. And some of us, many of us today, if we're honest, we're here. And that dream that was in us, it still is true has almost, the, the light of that candle of our dream has almost been put out because we've been put into mundaneness with the current assignment. And you're in between the dream and that destination. But I would challenge you and encourage you to be faithful with where God has placed you because your now determines your next. What you do now, the faithfulness with what you've been given Brad, I, nobody even knows I exist. If I didn't show up for two weeks straight at my office, nobody would even know. I'm in the closet. Like I'm downstairs in the under, the under, the under, the basement. I don't even have an office. I just have like a, a corner. You go be faithful with that corner. You go steward that corner like it's the most important assignment that God has ever handed out. This is true for me. Like, I had a season after college. I was going to change the world. I was going to be a lawyer. I was going to go to law school. I was going to change the political industry within the state of Oklahoma by being a senator. I was going to impact our state. Great. That's awesome, man. That's a, that's a dream. And at 24, you know what I was doing? couple of years after graduating, lots of dreams and intention and purpose and passion. I was working on a ranch in Colorado. So I guess I'm a wrangling rapper or a rapping wrangler. I'm not sure. Rapping cowboy that, with skinny jeans on and work boots. That's cool. But I was working on a ranch in Colorado with 150 horses. Nobody knew what I was doing. Nobody was like reading books I was writing. Nobody was paying attention. Nobody thought, oh, he's, he's going to be a senator someday. You know what I was doing? You know what my assignment was? Every day, day after day? <laughs> Nobody knows. Nobody's like, 
Instagram in my... Now, this is actually really good preparation for politics. <laughs> right? You... Scooping the poop. Scooping the poop. Nobody cares. Nobody... Brad, oh, big man, you're going to do a lot of things and change the world, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're scooping poop, big boy. <laughs> and here's hopefully what will help you because this helped me in that moment. No, you're not just scooping poop. You are a... You are a picture Evidence of artisanness in motion because you're the best pooper scooper that the world has ever seen. If there was an Olympics for pooper scooping, you would be invited and win the gold medal. Faithfulness is our measurement of success. Some of you are in the season of poop scooping. God will give you potentially the next season based on the way you scoop the poop now. Faithfulness. Are you willing to take the insignificant job that doesn't feel like any sense of connecting to your calling and crush it? Go crush your assignment tomorrow. The third thing is this, practically. Pursue excellence, be faithful, and bring hope. Bring hope, leaders. Bring hope, bring hope, bring hope. It doesn't take smarts. It doesn't take know-how. You go be a hope dealer. You just hand it out liberally everywhere you are. Oh, I'll tell you what, Betty and Bill. Bill is faithful. He gets stuff done. You give him an assignment, he gets it accomplished. But you know what I love about Bill? When I'm around Bill, I walk away and I'm an encouraged I walk away and I feel better about myself. I walk away with a sense of in being injected with something. Now, we know what that is we're injecting people with. But part of your assignment, even if you don't, even, you don't love what you do, I could want to do anything else, still go be a hope dealer. What's the room like when you leave it? What's the fragrance? What's the aftertaste when you've walked out of the room, when you walk in the room, do you change the atmosphere? You don't have to be in charge to do that. You just have to be intentional about dealing hope. So, identity, who I am, calling, why I'm here, assignment, what I do. Some of you love your assignment, some of you hate it, some of you would do anything else but that. But in the midst of Monday's coming tomorrow, you go, pursue excellence, be faithful, and bring some hope. Because we are his workmanship. You're not just clocking in to that job. You're stepping into your calling. You're not average. You're a masterpiece. God has something significant for you. You are his workmanship created to deliver good works throughout your life. Thank you.
I hope you guys enjoyed that. Was that awesome content or what? Really, really good stuff. Um, you just, you like the uh, the poop scooping, right? I did. I really liked it. I I, yeah. I, I think that uh, you you might win the Olympics in poop scooping. If there you was one, I would win really it. Really good form. Didn't all, he have good form? It's all in the was, wrist. It's all in the that wrist. That's really good. It's all in the wrist. Um, yeah. Hey, I really loved it when you said your now determines your next. Yeah. I mean, that did that grab anybody else? Like, God is preparing you for something. Be faithful where you are, even if you don't like your job. It's so good for for such good content. I, I want to thank you for giving us. Some language around this issue of what am I supposed to do with my life? You know, I, I mean, I don't know if many of us have thought about our identity, our calling and assignment in the way that you explained it today. I know that I was, I was sitting there, I was thinking, okay, I think I'm, I think I have all of that straight. I'm not quite sure if I do. Um, I feel a sense of fulfillment, but I was also thinking about a person that thinking, man, I'm all wrong on that. Like, uh, and, and, and I was thinking about the consequences. What, what are the, what's the most dangerous thing for a person to get all of this confused yeah. and never quite figure it out? Like they're messed up on their assignment, they're me- they don't know their calling, unsure about their identity. What's the worst thing that can happen to us? Well, here, here's what happens to a lot of us is we start to get assignment confused with identity. Happened to me, I'm sure some of us it's happened to, where all of a sudden what you do is who you are. And that's dangerous because who we are is not what we do. Who we are is we're a child of God. We're, we're, that's our identity. Assignment, assignment has to make sure it stays in that camp of what you do. And if we start to cross those, that's where it can get confusing, damaging. And a lot of people struggle with that because they're, when they get asked the question at the dinner party, tell me about yourself, the first thing they go to is what you do. Right. And I was thinking about the person who gets their calling wrong and what that would lead to 10 years, 20 years down the line. I mean, what, what do you see for a person? They've, they've got the calling all mixed up and they start doing the wrong things. And then 20 years later, what do they get? Well, a lot of times you'll find the person who is incredibly frustrated. The reason, I mean, this is my theory, but a lot of times the midlife crisis for any of us is because we finally discovered our calling, but we actually can't go pursue it because of all the things that have added up with, with mortgages and kids and families, families and I got a job and I got insurance, I got to pay for stuff. And so I would say, if you find yourself in that place, start, just try to navigate. Don't, don't be dumb. Don't pay dumb tax on trying to go pursue that and say, I'm going to quit my job. And everybody's like, no, do not do that. But you might just take some small steps to move back again towards that intersection. Right. Because once you find that, then part of our goal, whether you get paid or not, part of your goal is to move towards it because that's where God's gonna most allow you to have the most impact. Yeah, that's really good. So remember when he was talking about like, when you were a little kid, what'd you wanna do when you grew up? Like I wanted to be an NBA basketball player. So are you suggesting that I like on the side in my spare time start to shoot more shots and uh, I would stick with the pickup game at LA Fitness if I was you. Yeah, I would stay in the, stay in that lane, buddy. Do yeah. you want to play one on one this afternoon? Uh, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So two o'clock, we'll be. Yeah, there. yeah. <laughs> Can we give Brad a, a round of applause? Thank, thank you. you so much. Appreciate you. Yeah, thanks, thanks for thanks for being such a blessing.
You know, one of the, one of the things Brad was, was talking about was uh, our identity. And we just sang a song earlier about, you know, I am who you say I am. We're, we're a child of God, you know. And that is God's plan for every single one of us. Like the, the core of who we're supposed to be is son of God, daughter of God. And the problem is, is that when we're born into this world, because we live in a broken world, because Adam and Eve sinned the Garden of Eden, that sin was transferred to our parents and parents and parents and grand and all the way to us. And we're born into this world with sin. And the Bible actually says that we're not friends of God when we're born into this world. We're not connected to God when we're born into this world. We're actually enemies of God because of sin. And that's not, that's not God's plan. That wasn't his original intent. And so what he did to reconcile that and to fix that is he sent Jesus Christ into this world. And that's why Jesus came. He didn't come to start a religion. He didn't come to start a church. He came into this world to fix what was broken in your heart and in my heart. And so he died on a cross 2,000 years ago to wipe away the barrier between him and you. And that is sin. And so Jesus died. He died for the, 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 the penalty of sin, the cost of sin, so that you can be forgiven, so that you can become a child of God, a son or a daughter of God. And so if you haven't trusted in Christ, I'm gonna give you an opportunity right now to do so. Whatever campus you're at, if you're watching online, if you're at one of our microsites, I'm gonna say a simple prayer. You can take these words and make them your own. It's a prayer of faith. It's a prayer asking for forgiveness. It's a prayer asking Jesus to wash you and cleanse you of your sin. And if you say this prayer and you mean it and there's faith behind it, the Bible says you'll become a child of God by faith. So if you feel led to do that right now, I'm going to say a simple prayer. Take these words, make them your own. Will you pray with me? Just say this to him right now. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. Thank you for paying the penalty that I should have paid. I ask you right now to wash me and to cleanse me from all my sin. Remove the shame and the guilt and make me your very own child today. Be my savior, be my God. From this day forward, teach me to live from that identity, to know my calling in this life and lead me to the proper assignment that would reflect the calling and my identity. I pray this in Christ's name. And everybody said, amen. Can we give God glory, guys? Amen, nice and loud. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Hey, if you just prayed that prayer, I want to let you know whatever campus you're at, microsite, online, we want to put a New Believers Bible in your hand. They are in the back of the auditorium. Please grab this on the way out if you trusted Christ. Can we give God a hand one more time for what he's doing? Amen. Also, just want to remind you, Brad's book is for sale in the bookstore. At any of our campuses, you can text the word book to 65248. That is available to you. Will you pray with me? We'll be dismissed. Heavenly Father, thank you for the clarity that you've given us today. Thank you for the language that you've given us uh, through Brad about identity, our calling, and our assignment, who we are, uh, why we're here, and what we're called to do. Help us, Father, to pursue excellence, to be faithful where we are right now, and to be hope dealers. Guide us into the right assignment. Give us clarity on our, on our calling and confirm our identity so that we can make the greatest impact in this world. 
we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. God bless you guys. See you next week. Bring a friend.